Hi everyone, my name is Antoinette Foster and I'm a nutritional therapist and medical herbalist. And in today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the truth about gut health. Now there's a lot of different myths and I guess misconceptions going around. And one of those, the big one is, is there good and bad bacteria? And I'm sure that at some point in your life, you've been told that there is good and bad bacteria. And it's commonly accepted that this is the case, but it's very outdated. And in actual fact, it's not about whether the bacteria is good or bad. It's actually about the balance of bacteria contained in the gut that is the bad thing or the good thing. So those individual bacterial species need to be well balanced in the gut microbiome. So remember, it's not good or bad bacteria, it's the balance of bacteria that is the actual issue. And another common myth too is about fibre. Well, we know how important fibre or roughage is to the horse's health and well-being long term. And we know that horses require a really high level of roughage every single day. And if they don't have access to grazing, then you need to make sure you are supplying plenty of hays to accommodate the horse's requirements. So is every fibre equal? Well, no, it's not. You might see a bag of feed that actually states it contains, say, 25-30% fibre content. But it doesn't mean that each feed option that you see on a bag of feed is actually created equal or is as good. One may be fibre from hay and the other may be fibre from byproducts or waste product material. And we know that byproducts, which is a, the second part of a two-part process, is exactly what it is, a byproduct, a waste product. And you can imagine it's not anywhere near as expensive to purchase as good quality hays, for example. So therefore, it's not a true fibre, in my opinion, as a nutritionist. A true fibre is one that is naturally obtained or is providing a natural source for a strict herbivore such as the horse. I'm sure at some stage someone has mentioned that perhaps you could incorporate the use of corn into your horse's diet to add some extra energy to the feed. Well, corn is poorly digested in the horse as the starch content is significantly higher than easy to digest grains such as whole oats or steamed and rolled barley. This means the breakdown in the hindgut is a lot quicker than normal and has been found to potentiate hindgut acidosis. And of course, then you've got to put other measures into place to reduce the risk. Not only is corn genetically modified to withstand a multitude of herbicides and pesticides, but the modification process increases the fructose or sugar level at an unnatural level. When we look at the horse's digestive system, it is a complex system in its own right. Horses are very unique in the way they are put together, in fact, unlike any other animal. In an earlier podcast, I mentioned that there is great similarities between the rabbits, as much as I don't like rabbits, digestive system and the horse. As they are grazing animals, their stomach is only designed to hold a small amount of food at one time. Furthermore, they have a hindgut where fermentation occurs to help the breakdown of food. And very importantly, when you look at this, 
Regarding the size of the stomach, we have to make sure that whilst they can only hold a small amount of feed at one time, we also have to recommend because, remember that because they are perpetually grazing animals, that they do require access to roughage on a continual basis. And they can regulate their own intake in this regard. So grazing horses have the ability to stop and start whenever they feel the need to. So they're basically looking after their own health and well-being. But that's certainly not the case when they're really dependent on us to look after them 100% of the time. Being strict herbivores, they are designed to digest plant material. Unfortunately, this fact often gets neglected when looking at supplementing and feeding horses. Horse feed products often contain marine or fish meal, fish oil, even shark cartilage, and very often dairy products such as whey powder and even honey. These products are foreign to the horse's digestive system and can potentiate inflammation and therefore disease. So it's very important to remember that when you are looking at feeding your horse, that you ensure that it is natural to the species every time you select whatever you're going to use. Leaky gut or dysbiosis is a common term used in the human health industry. But the same phenomenon can happen for horses. When the cells along the intestinal wall become weak, and lose their integrity. This can cause toxins to seep straight through to the bloodstream and can also reduce the digestibility of nutrients and vitamins. Common causes of leaky gut or dysbiosis can be long periods without food. As I mentioned earlier, they're grazing animals, perpetually grazing animals, so they require access to roughage on a long-term basis every single day and this will reduce the risk of leaky gut and other associated conditions. Horses have a constant release of gastric acid, and if there's no food to digest in their stomach, a buildup of gastric acid will occur. This not only alters the bacterial balance in the gut microbiome, but can lead to erosion of the digestive lining and subsequently ulcers. And as we know, ulcers are very, very commonly diagnosed in the modern day horse. Why is this the case? In many cases, horses that are boxed 24-7 and are fed a high-grain diet often don't have access to plenty or, or regular amounts of hay. And we know that roughage is so important to reduce the risk of ulcers. We know that ingesting long-stem fibre on a continual basis can actually slow down that risk. Yes, there are other aspects that can I guess implicate the increase in ulcer diagnosis such as stress but very importantly the roughage component of a diet always needs to be available to the horse. Medications such as antibiotics and antacids are also another contributing factor to leaky gut and feed that is not suitable as I touched on earlier such as marine-derived material, dairy-derived ingredients, and animal-derived ingredients can actually cause major inflammation as they are foreign to the horse's system, remembering they're strict herbivores. And malnutrition is another case where potential deficiencies of vitamins and minerals, specifically involved in cell turnover, can have an impact on the horse's long-term health.
There are many conditions and contributing factors that can have an impact on the balance of bacteria in the gut microbiome. Dysbiosis, as I mentioned, is a term used to describe the gut bacteria being out of balance. There may be some bacterial species that overpopulate and some that are a lot lower than they should be. Certain triggers for this imbalance can include sugary feeds, such as molasses, honey or corn, fructose spikes in grass, and we're probably very familiar with that and often people think that it's only in spring, but fructose levels in, spa, in grass can be quite common if there's maybe been a lot of rain and then warm weather following after that. You can often see short grass coming through and this can be a problem because the fructose levels can actually increase. But the variation comes when there might be a frost overnight and this then impacts on the levels of fructose the following day. So sometimes it's important, particularly with horses that maybe are prone to laminitis, to regulate the times that the horses go out on pasture, particularly when they have been influenced by frost overnight and weather changes. There's a lactic acid buildup in the hindgut, which is called hindgut acidosis, and this can actually be due to a lack of antioxidants to metabolise the lactic acid buildup. Poorly digested feed ingredients such as corn and lupins can have an impact on the balance of bacteria and also impact the risk of dysbiosis. And medication use, as I mentioned, but just expanding on that, antibiotics are the most commonly used in the equine and medical system. And they can have a major impact on the gut bacteria because they do destroy a lot of bacteria. And that, of course, increases the risk of an out-of-balance gut microbiome. So then there are ways that you can actually, to balance that, of course, like the human health industry, where we're learning a lot more about how we can adjust and support the gut microbiome by actually changes in your diet, for example. So it's very similar to horses. You can definitely make some changes in the diet to actually assist with getting that balance back into sync. And products such as the BioEquus, which is a pro and prebiotic, can also be very beneficial for horses that have gut microbiome or digestive health issues. Other medications also can have an impact on the digestive tract by limiting gastric secretions and the bacterial populations. These can include drugs such as phenylbutazone or other anti-inflammatory drugs which are very commonly used in horses. Even things like asthmatic prescriptions can also have an impact on the gut microbiome because anything that's unnatural going into the horse's system can have an impact overall on the gut microbiome's balance of bacteria. Dysbiosis can pose a lot of problems for horses from altered temperaments to a progression of disease and also poor immune function. What about the types of bacteria contained in the gut microbiome? The most prominent bacteria phyla in the equine digestive tract are Firmicutes and Bacteriodites. Yep, it's a mouthful. And I'll tell you what, it's hard to remember all these bacteria because there are so, so many of them. So I'm only touching on ones that are 
more commonly known, particularly in gut microbiome testing, which is a test where we sample the poo, yes, the horse's poo. The fecal sample tells us so much information about the balance of bacteria contained in the gut microbiome. And it also allows us to adjust and make some changes in the horse's diet to get that balance back to where it should be. Gut microbiome testing is for all species, so it's for human and animal, and it's the most amazing science. I'm fascinated by the gut microbiome personally, so the more that I know about the gut microbiome, the more I can see that there are benefits where you can assist long-term health and well-being by actually supporting it more efficiently. Despite the vast difference in digestive capacity and one being an omnivore and the other being a herbivore, the content of Firmicutes and Bacteroidetes are very similar to those in the human digestive tract. Other bacteria phyla include cyanobacteria, vericom microbia and proteobacteria, which are also found in humans. There are seven main groups of phyla and they all play a significant role in the way the gut microbiome functions. It makes sense that Firmicutes may be abundant in the horse's gut as this phyla is compiled of a large number of fibre degrading bacteria and can be a marker of a diet containing high fibre and plant-based eating. So you can imagine when you look at a gut microbiome test of a horse that you are going to expect a pretty high percentage of Firmicutes contained in that gut microbiome. And that is a good thing because it does indicate that the horse is actually being fed a really good high fibre diet. Bacteriodites do not digest fat efficiently and have been found to be protective against obesity. Proteobacteria may be expanded when there is inflammation or digestive diseases. Vericomicrobia is a more recently discovered phylum with a wart-like cell shape and can be expanded in some horses after antibiotic treatment. It's interesting to note this, but there is an impact again with the use of antibiotics and what kind of impact it has on that balance of bacteria contained in the gut microbiome. So vericomicrobia is one that can be quite affected by antibiotic use. Proteobacteria are expanded in horses with digestive diseases, including ulcers and laminitis, coupled with a reduction of other bacteria. So as I mentioned earlier, there is no good and bad. It is about the balance of bacteria that is contained in the gut microbiome. And you can see that where there are situations where bacteria such as proteobacteria are expanded, that this can actually have an impact on the horse's risk of contracting ulcers and also laminitis. Proteobacteria phylum may be increased in the gut microbiome of pregnant horses during their last trimester. The big burning question, what do I feed my horse? Well, it's actually not that complicated. We have to remember again, just going over the simple fact that horses are strict herbivores and that they need to be fed what is natural to the species. So it's not a difficult question really. I think what's happened is over the years, maybe the 40, 50 years, 
the feed industry has changed. I like to call it modern day feeding. So it's like fast food for horses. It's not really what horses have evolved to consume. Remembering there's a lot of byproducts being used and remembering that the stock feed industry is actually not regulated. So there is a risk of really not knowing precisely what is contained in a bag of feed. And yeah, you can ask lots of questions. You can look on the website, but very often you are not actually going to see the total amount of ingredients contained in that bag of feed. So questions need to be asked all the time. Because horses naturally graze on grass in the wild, the easiest way to replicate this in the modern day world is to ensure access to grass and hay. Now we know there's lots of different types of hays available and pastures for that matter, depending on where you're located in Australia or internationally. So hays that I love are alfalfa because it has been researched quite heavily and does actually act as a buffer, a hindgut buffer naturally. Obviously you can't feed too much alfalfa because you then might overload the protein content, remembering that a kilo of alfalfa hay, for example, will contain anywhere between 190 to 220 grams per kilo, which is quite a lot. Other hays that are really great are obviously your natural pasture hay, oat and hay, which can be quite high in sugar and starch, whereas your alfalfa is actually very, very low in sugar and starch naturally. And things like teff hay is another option, particularly for horses that maybe are prone to EMS or uh, conditions like laminitis, because it is very low in sugar and starch and also low in protein. When we ask more of a horse, of course, we know that they require more energy to be fed. And the types of carbohydrates that you can include in the horse's diet can be oats. And remembering you can feed whole oats. You don't have to treat oats. Horses can actually consume the whole oats. And steam and roll barley, which is a great option too. And then if you want to actually supply a slow release energy, then I recommend flaxseed oil. Our alpha flax is great. It's pure oral grade flaxseed oil, nothing else but the oil. And cold pressed, as I mentioned in a previous podcast, the best option. Steering clear of waste products is very, very important. Remember I mentioned about byproducts being used in most feeds in, in today's feed industry? Things like beet pulp, bran, pollard, meal mix, copper meal, there are so many byproducts used in feeding today. So steer clear of them. Look at natural options for your horse, what is suited to a species. A good daily vitamin and mineral supplement is always suggested for domesticated horses because they're not able to forage the thousands of kilometers that wild horses can. And remember, they're generally 100% dependent on us. So they can't ask questions. We have to really provide and research the answers for them. In addition to this, we do suggest that hay is the most important part. Roughage, roughage, roughage. I know often I sound like a broken record when I talk about it, but it is so important because we're asking a lot more of our horses on a day-to-day basis these days. I mean, it's quite different to how it used to be. Horses are required to do a lot more, and I think we have to then ascertain what is required for each individual case. 
I mentioned earlier about the bioequus being of great benefit to suggest or to support the gut microbiome, and that's something that I would highly recommend for probably any horse that is working or any horse that also is in an environment where it's ever changing, <laughs> a bit like Melbourne weather at the moment. Uh, I think the Crowded House song, Four Seasons in One Day, is so relevant to Victoria. I can't believe how relevant it is. It was a great song, but it's so, so relevant. We developed a feed pyramid many, many years ago. And that pyramid is very, very simple because remember, species specific is what you need to always be considering for your horse. Nothing's changed. They are strict herbivores. So in the pyramid, supplements are the smallest part. Oil is the second smallest. Grain is the third smallest. But the most important part of our feed pyramid is chaff, hay, grass and pasture. Now, that's not very complicated, is it? Supplements, oil, grain, chaff, hay, grass and pasture. How more simple could it get? Don't overcomplicate it for yourselves. Make it easy. Just remember, you need to feed according to your horse's requirements as an individual. And remember, the horse has a huge gut microbial diversity. The diversity of your horse's gut microbiome is important for overall health and well-being. This diversity is a summary of the number of bacteria found in your horse's faecal sample. That's your horse's poo. <laughs> a greater diversity score is a reflection on an increased number of different types of bacteria found in your horse's sample. And this gut, this high gut microbial diversity is a great thing. It is suggesting that your horse actually has excellent health and well-being. Whereas if your horse has low microbial diversity, it is then linked to a number of conditions including obesity, diabetes, irritable bowel syndrome, leaky gut and ulcers. The diversity score does not differentiate between good and bad bacteria present in your horse's faecal sample. And as I mentioned, it's not about the good and bad bacteria, it's about the balance. And you can see clearly here that the higher diversity, the better the health. So dietary intake contributes to your horse's microbial diversity index. The gut microbes shift in response to your horse's diet. It's amazing how much you can achieve by just making simple changes that will alter the bacterial balance in your gut microbiome or horse's gut microbiome. A diet containing high natural roughage and some grains is associated with an increased microbial diversity. And we want your horse's gut microbiome to be really healthy because if you remember all of the things that it's associated with, gut-brain access, immune function, skin and health condition, and various different diseases. The list goes on and on. Including hays such as alfalfa, oaten and quality pasture will go a long way to supporting your horse's gut microbiome. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if you have any questions, please feel free to PM us on Facebook or contact us in our office anytime. We would love to help you. As I've said on many occasions, we love what we do and we enjoy bringing this information to you out there, you horse owners that have contributed so much and obviously share the love that we share for this beautiful animal. 
Thanks again, and hopefully you will join me again soon.